Thank you. Let's jump right into it. If you've got your message notes, pull that out. We're finishing this series, Doing Good. The concept of the series is what would it look like if we as a church, we as Christians, we as a community, we as followers of Jesus Christ actually had the very reputation that Jesus Christ himself had? What would it look like if you and I were known for the very thing that Jesus was known for? We're known for a lot. Unfortunately, one of the last things we're known for was the very thing Christ was known for. And I'm not talking about our idea of Jesus. I'm talking about the people who lived during his time period, the people who heard him teach, who watched him perform miracles, the disciples, the closest ones to him. Peter in Acts 10.38 said Jesus was someone who went around doing good. And unfortunately, that's one of the last things that we're known for in the world today. And I believe one of the reasons we're not making a bigger impact in the world is because we don't have the foundation right. We're not known for the very thing that Christ was known for. But if we would become known for this again, if we would give our life as people doing good, I firmly believe with all of my heart, we would make a massive difference in the world. I was speaking to a couple after service last week, and they were saying, you know, I just want to find that big purpose for my life, because we talked a lot about purpose last week and, and the whole doing good Series, And I said, well, I think the problem that a lot of people have is they're looking for a big purpose as opposed to the purpose that's right in front of you. You know, I look at Mother Teresa, one of the greatest women to ever live on the face of the earth. You know, I've studied her life. I've read her biographies. I've read her books. Do you know what I've discovered? I can't find one great thing Mother Teresa ever did. Think about that for a moment. Not one great, big, gigantic thing this little woman ever did her entire life, and yet she's known as the greatest woman to ever live. Why? Because she did little things with a whole lot of love every single day. I think so often we're looking for this big thing when God is saying, just do the little things every day. Because if you do the little things every day, they snowball into an incredible life. And out of the little things, you begin to discover the big things that God has called you to. And this is a core value of our church. Uh, we are here as a church, and we believe that we exist for the world. We're here to do good for the world, to make a difference, that, that the way we live our life actually matters. And honestly, in light of everything going on in the world right now, I think it actually matters more now than ever before, because wickedness is increasing on earth. I mean, you look at what's taking place on earth today. You see the, the darkness, and you see the problems, and you see the division, and you see the pain, and you see the conflict, and you see the, the riots, and everything that, that we tend to see, the, the mass shootings and the problems. And I think too often, we're, we're looking at the political arena as the solution to the mess that we're seeing in the world. And politics is a solution, but it's not the only solution. And to be very honest with you, I think God has called us as the church to be the primary solution in times like this, to be the light in the darkness of the world that we live in. And one of the questions I get a lot as a pastor that, that people want to know in light of the news, in light of world events, in light of what's going on, are we living in the last days? I mean, is this the end of time? Is this, is this what Revelations talks about? Because things seem to be escalating today at a quicker pace than ever before. Well, the truth is, we just don't know. Like, Jesus himself doesn't even know. He said only the Father knows. What we do know, however, is that Jesus is ready to come back. 
The Bible's very clear about that. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and I think he gets up every day looking at his dad thinking, is it time? Is it time? Like, I'm ready. Just, just tell me to go, and I'm gone. Like, we will go get him, and we will bring him home. And there are plenty of places in the Bible that tells us what everything is going to look like right before the end, the signs of the time. One of the signs of the time, the Bible says, is the gospel will be preached to every nation. The word nation in the Greek language is the word ethnos, and and it says, then the end shall come. Now, again, the word nation is ethnos, because we know there's 197 different nations in the world today, but there's thousands of different people groups. And so the word doesn't mean nation as as a, a sovereign nation. It means different people groups with different languages. Well, the truth is these nations, these ethnos, these people groups in the world are being reached faster today because of technology than any other time in history. And in the very near future, every ethnos in the world, because of technology, will have the gospel in their own language. All of that to say, this is not a time to not be ready. Like, this is a time to be ready in our life. And we need to be ready. And not only do we need to be ready, we need to know what our role in all of it is. So one phrase that Jesus did use to describe kind of the season, the time, what it's going to be like in the last days is found in Matthew 24. We're going to look at it. He says, as it was, meaning exactly the way it was during this set time period, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be. So as it was during the time period of Noah, so it will be. It'll be very similar at the coming of the Son of Man. So the question is, what did it look like during the days of Noah? Well, the world was dark. It was wicked. There was, there was conflict. There was war. There was hatred. There was murder. There was all sorts of mess going on. And there are a lot of people who like to think that you know, Noah is just a fairy tale. The world you know, really didn't flood. Well, to be honest, I believe it exactly the way it's described in Scripture. And there's enough scientific proof out there that says this world had a catastrophic worldwide flood. There's actually more evidence that supports that than evidence that doesn't support it. So the truth is, it did happen exactly the way the Bible tells us it happened. You know, it, it's funny, like, uh, it reminds me of a story of a little girl. She was in class, and she was writing a paper on Jonah. Jonah, you know, he got swallowed by the well. We read it this Thursday in our one-year Bible. For those of you in the one-year Bible reading plan, he was swallowed by the whale or the great fish. We don't know if it's a whale or fish, whatever it was. He was swallowed, and her teacher in class was a kind of a skeptic or atheist and says to the little girl, well, well that's just a, a fairy tale. Uh, that, 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 that didn't happen. A, a fish can't swallow a man. And the little girl looks at the teacher and says, well, I'll just ask Jonah when I get to heaven. And so the teacher says, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? Well, the little girl thought quickly and says, then you can ask him. <laughs> Moral of the story is don't argue with a little girl. They will win every time. So let's look at the days of Noah. And I want you to notice two things in this story. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. I want you to understand God sees what's going on. Like God is watching the news. God is not oblivious. He's not unaware. He knows what's going on. And he's not reacting to the news the way a lot of us are reacting to the news. Like a lot of us are nervous and and we're scared. We don't know what's going to happen. God's not unaware of what's going on and he's not shaken over it. It says, 
He's seen how man's wickedness on earth has become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved, not nervous, grieved. There's a big difference. His heart was broken over this, but he wasn't nervous. He wasn't shaken over it. He had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. So God's heart was broken and, and his thought, I've got to start over. Uh, it, it's just gone too far. People are too far gone. But instead he does something else. It says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So instead of destroying everything, God was actually looking for someone. And that's very important for us today because I want you to understand God's solution right now to the darkness in the world that we see is he's looking for somebody. God is looking for someone. His solution is you. As we've said, you are God's plan A. There is no plan B. God, God is searching earth and he's looking for people who will say, I will do my part. I will play the part that God has put me on earth to play. And this is the core of who our church is. If you want to understand our church, if you want to know what we're trying to accomplish, as a church, we are called to lead you through four specific experiences in your life. That is the agenda of our church. It is the vision of our church. If you want to know what does the roadmap look like, if we commit our life to following Christ and being a part of this church family, what does the roadmap look like? There are four experiences we want to lead you in. The first is we want you to know God. We want you, and this is number one. This is priority over everything else. If you don't know God, the number one priority of your life is that you begin a relationship with him. That's, that's most important above all the other experiences. This is number one. Then once you know him and you build that relationship, we want to help you deal with the yesterdays in your life. We all have yesterdays. We all have days in our past where we were hurt and we were abused and we were wounded. And as a result, we've got some scars that need to be dealt with. Then we want to lead you into discovering your purpose, to, to figure out why God made you. Because this is very important for you to understand. Our ultimate goal as a church is not to fill this room as many times as we can on the weekend. Our goal as a church is not to see how big of a crowd we can create. Our goal isn't even to just see you saved. Like, again, if you don't know Jesus, that's number one for you. But our goal as a church is to lead you into this fourth experience, which is where you begin to make a difference with your life. You figure out why God puts you on earth, and then you go do something. You make a significant difference, and God is giving you everything you need to pull this off. So often, we look at the news, and we look at world events, and we say, God, what are you doing? And God is saying, look, I've already done my part. Now it's time for you. Like, I've given you everything you need to make a difference in the world that you live in, and this is my agenda as a pastor is to lead you through this. This is the goal. And, and specifically to get you to the fourth destination. You talk to anybody on our staff, you talk to anybody on our board, they will all tell you the same thing. The touchdown of our team is to get people to the place where they're making a massive difference with their life for the kingdom of God. That's the goal. 
And here's the reason why we're so passionate about it. I want this verse that I'm about to show you to be on your tombstone. I want it to be read at your memorial. I want them to say this about you one day. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He served God's purpose. He didn't just go on vacations and work a job and pay bills and go to the mall and and, and be involved in different sporting events and go surfing and go golfing. No, he served God's purpose in his generation. And then he fell asleep. And I love how it says, it doesn't say he died. Because the truth is your body may die, but you will never die. Like you live on forever. So you have to believe that you can make a difference with your life. If you're ever going to build the, the life of Jesus as somebody doing good, you've got to believe you can make a difference. And there's three specific areas that God is calling us to make a difference in. The first is for those closest to me. And, and this is your first calling. Your first calling is not to the world. It's not even to our nation. Your very first calling that God has placed on your life is to those closest to to you, the ones that live within your touch. That's who God is calling you to. Look at it in the Noah story. In Genesis 7, then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family. You and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. God saw something on Noah's life that benefited his family, that made a difference in his sons and his daughters and his daughter-in-laws. See, when God begins to do something through you, it'll impact everybody close to you. Let me show you this in the New Testament. Acts 16, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. You and your house. Now, does that mean when I give my life to Christ, everyone I live with is automatically going to go to heaven? No, that's not what that's saying. What it, what it literally means, this word household in the Greek is the Greek word oikos, which means sphere of influence, the people who are in your world. You see, when God transforms your heart and life, the people around you can't help but notice it. And it begins to change people around you because they see a light in you that they are now attracted to. They are now drawn to. And so what happens is everyone around you begins to change when you begin to change. You are called by God to make a difference to those closest to you. And this is why one of the things we encourage heavily as a church, and you'll hear hear about this from time to time throughout the year, is at least one out of the 52 weekends a year, you need to have an oikos friend with you in church. You need to have an oikos, somebody in your sphere of influence, neighbor, coworker, family member, sitting beside you at least one weekend out of 52 weekends a year. And I'm telling you right now, that'll be be your favorite, favorite weekend of the year. In other words, you do what I can't do, and I'll do what you can't do. What I can't do is know your friends. Like, Like, I don't know your friends. I can't invite your friends. Many of them I'll never meet, I'll never see. And perhaps maybe what... What you can't do is present this in such a way that they're actually going to want it, that they're going to they're buy into it. And I'm telling you, that weekend is going to be the most important weekend of your life. You're going to want everything is going to, every detail, the song, I hope they do the right songs this weekend because my friend's coming. Like, like I hope, like, it's funny to me because I actually have people come up to me every once in a while when they have one of their Oikos friends in church and they say, uh, just want you to know my, my friend from work came today. 
don't blow it. Like, like if you're ever going to bring it, you better bring it now because it's like they came and I don't. And I'm telling you, everything is going to matter more that week. You're going to see things differently. I heard the story of one of the lawyers in our church this week. Who, his life has been just transformed by this. And he started inviting people in his oikos. And at the movies this year, he invited one of his neighbors with one of the at the movies cards. And his neighbor came. And he, I'm telling you, he said it was one of the greatest weekends of his life, being able to sit with his neighbors. And at the end of the service, you know, when people were giving their life to Jesus and rate, like he, he said, I'm a rule follower as a lawyer. I close my eyes when they say close my eyes, but I got I, I, I to gotta admit that weekend I kind of peaked. I, I needed to see if their hand was going up. And I'm telling you right now, if it's the weekend, your oikos, his friend is here and we have people raise their hands, you have permission to peak that weekend. You have permission to look and see because it's going to be your favorite weekend of the year. So the first area I'm called to make a difference is those closest to me. The second area is for my generation. Again, we talked about this last week. God put us here in 2017. Like, like we got this generation for a reason. It wasn't an accident. We got this place, the times and place where we live. So here's the thought. Why don't we become the change that we want to see? Instead of, instead of getting on Facebook and criticizing everything and, and telling everyone why the world's falling apart and everything we don't like about this, why don't we go become the change that we want to see? Well, why don't you run, why don't you get a vision and run for office and go into politics and begin to make a difference? Why don't you get on the school board and begin to make, if you don't like what you're seeing, go change it. Let me show you a verse, and I love this verse, and this is so good for young people here tonight, especially. You are to influence them. Do not let them influence you. Don't let this generation influence you. You go change it. You become the change that you want to see. And then the, the last area that I really feel like God is calling us to make a difference is for him, for God. We're called to make a difference for God. Again, God's looking for people. Right now, God is, God is looking. Let me make this as plain and simple as I can. God wants you. God needs you. God is counting on you. Like he is desperately looking for people to make a difference. Second Chronicles puts it like this. The eyes of the Lord, that they're searching to and fro. They're looking. They're looking for people. He's looking throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. God is looking for people committed to him. God is looking for people loyal to him so that he can give them a strength and an ability to make a difference in the life. And I think I just need to stop right there for a moment and just honor, thank, and give a shout out to the dream team of our church, the over 400 people who serve every month here. That, that make a difference with their life. For those holding the crying babies down at coastline kids, so that we have the, the, the opportunity to sit quietly and listen to a message, and that's dear to my heart because I've got a newborn down there right now. And, and, I, and, and to be very honest, he's, just, he, he's not at the place where he likes my preaching yet. He's, just, he, he's not getting a whole lot out of it. You know, it's kind of like torture making him listen to me preach. And, and when my wife's trying to hold him in the service, she's not getting anything out of the message either. So I thank God that we have people down there 
who've been through background checks, who, who are trained, who are gifted, who love children that are, that are caring for our babies so that we could be enjoying a service like this. But here's the point. Our dream team is working well. Like, like we're, we're accomplishing a lot right now as a church. We're doing good with, with all those people who serve. The point is we could be doing a whole lot better with you. We could be doing a whole lot better with you. There is a place for every single one of you on the team. Again, this is why we have a growth track, to lead people to the dream team so that they can begin to make a difference with their life. There are people sitting here that, that are passionate about computers. We've got a place on the media team. Computers, you get, a, you get a help operate every weekend. People passionate about playing guitar. People passionate about singing. We'll find out if you actually can sing and, and help you find a place. We got people who, again, love children. We've got a place for you. People who love to greet and meet people. We, we have people here who, who just love to serve behind the scenes. Give me the job or no one's going to see me and let me serve. We've got a place for everybody on the team. And I want to invite you to be a part of the process because God's looking right now for people to make a difference in this generation. But here's the truth. Many don't. Many don't. And I know that our church is an exception when you look at the percentages. But, they, but there are still more people sitting on the bench than in the game. Because as a church, we have one out of about every three people who are actually on the field in the game. There is still more room. And God needs you. We need you. We could be doing a whole lot more with you. And I know there's this, the, 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 the truth is there's just this great reluctance that people have. And this is one of the only areas that Jesus actually commented on this very area. Jesus said it like this. The harvest is plentiful. There's a lot to do. The problem is... The workers are few. In other words, what Jesus is saying is if we could just figure out a way to get more people on the field, if we could just figure out a way to get more people into the game. Ezekiel put it like this, I look for a man, and that's not meaning a male, that's just mankind. That's, I look for someone, a man or a woman, anyone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. So the question is, why do people say no? And I thought about that this week. Like, like wh why do people, I mean, You've been coming long enough. You've heard about the growth track. You've heard about the dream. Why do people still say no? And honestly, I think one of the biggest reasons is there's a the fear factor to it. I think the reason many people don't get engaged is there's this fear factor. I'm, I'm going to show you a couple fears that I think people wrestle with when it comes to giving their life to make a difference. The first is they're afraid of the past. Like, look, I would love to be a part of the dream team, but you don't know my resume. You don't know my past. Let me say this loud and clear. Your past doesn't disqualify you. In fact, it qualifies you all the more. Because who do you think people want help from? Someone who's never had a problem or someone who's been through the very same pain they're struggling with. See, God can redeem your past. I love the way Romans puts it. God's gifts and God's call are, are under full warranty. 
meaning they can never be canceled and they can never be rescinded. Not one thing you've ever done in your past can cancel out your call or rescind it. God's call on your life is under full warranty. And you can't mess that up. You can choose not to do anything about it, but you absolutely can't mess it up. Some of you just have to get to the point where you let go of the past. Ask God to heal you so that you can be the change that you want to see. I was talking to one of the guys in our church who went through the Freedom Conference a couple weeks ago, and he said, what I loved about freedom is it took away all of our excuses. So many of us, you know, we have these excuses for why we can't be used and why we can't serve and, and why we can't do this. Well, going through freedom, I realized that, wait a second, God can forgive me and God can heal me and God can deal with my past and God can close the door on my yesterdays. I've got no more excuses. The point is, you've got to let go of the past so it can let go of you. You're waiting on God. God's waiting on you. Maybe it's time for you this spring to go into a freedom small group and say, you know what, I'm going to deal with the yesterdays. I'm not going to carry this anymore. Like God, God's looking for someone, and I've got a part to play. God's looking for someone, and, and, and he, he's looking at me to make a difference with the life that he's given me. People are afraid of the past. Other people, they're afraid of the crowd. And this, this one's a great one for teachers and men. Men especially, are, they worry way too much about what other people think. They just do, if, if I act like that, they're going to think I'm a religious nut, I'm a fanatic, and, and, and no, no, no. I'm so glad Noah didn't think that way, aren't you? I mean, can you imagine what it was like for Noah? What are you building? A boat. What's a boat? Well, it goes on water. What's water? Well, it comes from rain. What's rain? I mean, can you imagine what the questions Noah had to deal with every day? This had never been done before. And we got people who are so afraid of what other people are going to think, and they're not thinking, to be honest. Like, I'm afraid to, to, to pray for my meal at a restaurant in public because what are people in the restaurant going to say about me if I bow my head and pray? I don't know what is it up about our generation, but we have Christians who are so intimidated these days, and the world is loud and proud right now. Solomon put it like this in Proverbs 29, fear of man will prove to be a snare. Like if you're afraid of what everyone else thinks, it's going gonna, it's gonna to trap you up. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to go all in. Some of you, I see it during worship. I, I, I see guys every weekend during worship, like, like, and I know you want to do it. Like, I can almost see it in you. Like, I really want to get my hand up during worship. Like, I really want to lift my hands to God, but what are these other guys going to think if I lift my hands? What are they going to think about me if I, if I put my hands up in worship? What are they going to think? Can I be honest? They're not looking at you. They're not thinking about you. I know you think like everyone's watching you during work. They're not. They're not thinking about you at all. Just try it. Go all in. Don't be afraid of looking foolish. See, that was the problem of the church in Europe during World War II. There were so many churches, especially in Germany, who were afraid of, of looking foolish and standing out. In the middle of the Holocaust, when the trains would go by the church on Sunday with Jewish prisoners taking them to concentration camps, what they would do is sing louder so they wouldn't have to hear it because they were afraid of standing out. I'm telling you right now, you got to be more concerned about obeying God than looking foolish. 
in the world today, we, we got to be focused on what does God want? I don't care what everyone else thinks. What is, what is God looking for? Here's another big fear that many people deal with. we got people afraid of taking the first step. Have you ever, have you ever wondered why, why is the first step the hardest? It's always that way. Like once you take that first step, you're like, whoa, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's like getting into a swimming pool. Uh, you know, like nothing worse than getting into a swimming pool because you know that first second is going to be cold, but then you know that once you get in there and you swim around, it's going to feel great, but you get the toe in there and you're just like getting in there. And what you really need to do is just jump into the deep end and start swimming and you're going to be fine. And so many people are just afraid of taking the first step. Hebrews says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, like he's doing something that has never been done before. And you know the most difficult thing for Noah to do is the first step. Can you imagine having that conversation with his wife? God asked you, what? I mean, the first step that he had to take to go do something that had never been done before. And I'm telling you right now, God is nudging some of you to take a step. Let me give you something that's not in your notes, because I, I really believe God is trying to speak to a few of you. First Kings, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So God is about to reveal himself, to, to speak, in other words. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, tore them apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God was in the whisper. And for many of you, God has been whispering to you. And you know it's God. And he's been saying the same thing over and over. And he's saying it out of love. He's saying it for your future. For some of you, he's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. That relationship at work, way too close. Don't do it. Don't do it. Some of you are about to make a decision to destroy a family. Don't do it. He's whispering. And you know it's him. You hear it. For others of you, he's saying, do it, do it. Like there's been something that he's, he's put on your heart, he's asking you to do, do it. Get on that team. Go make a difference. I'm calling you to make that step of faith. Get out of the boat, do it. For some of you, he's whispering, hang in there because you're on the verge of giving up. You're losing hope. You've been praying and praying and praying. And you haven't seen God answer the way you wanted him to answer. And he's whispering, hang in there. Hang in there. My time is not your time. Hang in there. For others of you, he's saying, take the risk. Take the risk. You need, you need to get out of the boat. There's something big God has asked you to do. And, and, and you've been afraid. What if I fail? What if I make a mistake? What if it doesn't happen? And you know it's God. And he's whispering in your ear, take the risk. For others, God is whispering, apologize now. But it wasn't my fault. I know. But apologize. Build the, you, don't have, you don't have to say what they did was okay. 
but restore the relationship. For others of you, that whisper is saying, get help. It's, it's not recreational, it's an addiction. You can't stop doing it anytime you want to stop doing it. it. It's beyond that point. It's time to get help. It's time to get honest with some people. It's time to talk to your small group. It's time to talk to your family. It, it, it's, time, it, it's time to do freedom. It's time to get some help. For some of you, that whisper saying, slow down. You're running at a pace that's just not sustainable. It's tearing apart your marriage. It's tearing apart your family. You, you, can't, you can't go that fast. For others of you, you're saying, there's more. There's so much more to Christianity than what you're experiencing. Go all in. Get in the deep end. God is saying, I've got so much more for you. There's more. There's so much more available. For some of you, it's, he's saying it's time. Like you've been waiting long enough. You've been putting it off. There's something specifically he's asked of you, and you've been delaying, and he's saying it's time. And then for others, he's saying you can do it. You're like, no, I can't. You can do it if I'm with you, God is saying. Yeah, maybe you can't do it on your own, but you can do it with God, with his ability, with his power, with him on your side. You can do it. What's the point? The point is you're going to have to step out to find out. You're not going to know until you take the first step. Some of you, it's time for you to host a small group. And I know you've been putting it off, but you need to feel the terror of that doorbell ring because it's going to change your relationship with God. You're going to pray like you never prayed before. Like, I got I to gotta work this out now. People are showing up in my house. I'm telling you, it, it's time to take the first step. This last fear, let me give you the scripture first, and I'll give you the fill in the blank. This is my favorite one. It's, it's, it's the part of the Noah story that I love, the rainbow. It says, I have placed my rainbow, God says, in the clouds as a sign of my promise until the end of time to you and to all the earth. So God made you a promise. And every time you see a rainbow, you can be reminded that God is, is of his word. And that promise, that rainbow you see in the sky, that was a promise to you. And that promise stands till the end of the time. Well, what was the promise? Well, G Jesus told us with his last words, he said, be sure of this, I'm with you always. Like, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. To the end of the age, I am with you always. Now, why do we need to know that? Well, why is that such a big deal? Because of the fourth fear. The reason many of us aren't stepping out, stepping in, is because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of failure. What if I try and what if I fail? He's with us always. There's no such thing as failure with God's. There's just, there's, there's just ways that it doesn't work. That's all it is. You didn't fail. You just learned, learned a way that didn't work. Just do it another way. It's like a GPS. It just recalculates. You take a wrong turn, it's just going to recalculate you. That's all God's going to do. He's not going to get mad at you. He's just going to recalculate your path. You're still going to, he still wants to bring you to the destination. You can't mess it up. All you can do is change the path a little bit, but he's still going to recalculate your life. Let, let me ask now everyone to pull this out. I'm going to... I want to show you something tonight that 
really messed with me when, when I did this, when I, somebody did this to me recently. What I want you to do with this little ruler, it's, it's 1 to 110. 1 to 110. What I want you to do is I want you to imagine with your best possible guess what, what year of your life you're going to die. What year of your life you're going to die. For me, I think it's going to be probably 96. Um, I'm really shooting high, 96. For those of you that are more than 110, we're sorry we didn't have enough faith as you have. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to just pick 96 for me. And what I want you to do is just you decide for you when you think that how old you're going to be when you go to heaven. And then I want you to just fold the paper at that line. So fold the paper at that line and just fold it back and forth a couple times. So just fold that back and forth a couple times whenever you think your time on earth is through. So 96. Now, if you fold it back and forth a couple times, what I want you to do is I want you to tear that off. Just, just tear that piece off. Okay. So for me, that's the piece right there. This is the part of my life that I'm going to enjoy in heaven. Like, I'm not going to get this part of life here on earth. That's in heaven, so that, that, that goes, kind of, I'll, I'll see that part of my life later in heaven. Okay, everybody do that? Now what I want you to do is I want you to find the year of how old you are currently. How old you are currently, and I want you to fold it where you're currently at now. So fold it where you're currently at now, wherever you're currently at now. Just fold it back and forth a couple times. Fold it back and forth a couple times. And then would you just tear off that piece for me? Okay, this, this part of my life goes in the trash. This is done. I, I can't relive this. I can't get it back. It's over. It's, it's out. That, that's all my past, all my regrets. There's nothing I can do about it. It's gone. This, this portion here, I want you to hold up the portion you've got left. That's all you got left. That's it. We got to make this count. I don't know about you, but I look at this and I realize I don't, I don't have as much time left as I thought I did. I need to make the most of it. I need to make it count. God is looking for people to do their part. I'm going I'm to keep this with me. I don't, I'm going to put this on my desk at home. And I would encourage you to put it somewhere where you can see it on a regular basis to remind you we're here to make every day count. We're here to live a life that matters, live a life significance to make a difference to live the way Jesus lived to be known as people who go around doing good would you close your eyes with me bow your heads Father I pray for every person here God, that they would look at their life and they would realize that you place them here for a purpose. There is a time, a season, and a reason for everything. And I pray, God, that 
they would say to you, I will do my part. Because you're looking. You're looking for people to make a difference. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And your eyes are searching throughout the entire earth for people whose hearts are devoted and committed and loyal to you so that you can give them the strength, the ability, the forgiveness, the healing, the power, whatever they need to make a difference. There is no excuse. There is not one thing from their past that disqualifies them. You give us everything we need to make our life count. All we have to do is make ourselves available. Say, God, I give my life to you. Use me to make a difference to the people closest to me and my generation, to make a difference for you, to live the life you called me to live. In Jesus' name. Before we leave, would you stand with me? If you're here tonight and you would say, you know what? I don't know God. To be very honest, I don't have a relationship with God. And I need to give my life to him tonight. What I would like you to do is I want you to come pray with one of us at the end of the service. During this closing song, You'll see our prayer team come to the front of this stage. Either during the song or at the end of the song, come and join in prayer with somebody on our prayer team. They would love to pray with you to give your life to God. Because to truly make it count, you can't do it without Him. Here's the thing. God's rigged it where you need Him to pull off your life purpose. On your own, you can only get so far. With God, though, With God, all things are possible. Yeah, on your own, you probably can't pull off that dream in your heart. With God, all things are possible. The prayer team will also be available for anyone here tonight who just needs prayer. If you're here, you just need someone to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you tonight. Let's worship together.